tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 43. With our entire world in chaos right now, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but I get distracted by the things I see and feel to the point that if I'm not careful, my gaze can be dragged away from Jesus, as well as the hope and strength he offers. In today's episode, author and speaker Lisa Whittle shares how we can put Jesus first, Jesus over everything in our hearts, in our minds, as well as in our lives. For as we exalt Jesus above everything else, all of the lesser things that captivate our souls, well, they're going to grow strangely dim. Oh, you guys, I'm so excited to have Lisa Whittle with me today. Lisa is the author of seven books, but she she is so much more than just her book. She has just a heart for ministry, for women that are in ministry. but And she also has this wonderful podcast called Jesus Over Everything, which is really at the heart of her new book. Welcome, Lisa, to the living room. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Oh, I I have followed you from afar, but so appreciated your heart. And especially when I saw this new book, Jesus Over Everything, Uncomplicating the Daily Struggle to Put Jesus First. Because I'm telling you, I think that that really goes to the heart of it all. As Christian women, we love Jesus, but how do we put him first? Can you kind of talk about what led you to this? write this book? Mm, yeah, it, you know, I think my own complications, right? My own complicated <laughs> life. And then just, you know, wanting so desperately to make Jesus number one. I mean, that that is, you know, a daily goal, a daily struggle. And um, just what does that even look like? And how do I do it? I don't want to just say those words. I want to practice them. But I think sometimes things like that feel too big. And so we, we get really discouraged. I know I do. And so, uh, I think it was just kind of that own place for me of saying, what, how do I do this? Because for me, I always want to, to live in a simpler life space. And I think it's Mm -hmm. been like a heart cry, you know, how do I get back to how I felt when I was six and I just held kittens for a living. You know, what it what is that what is that like? And I know that we live in a world that's complicated and, and has all these things pulling at us. But I also know that, you know, the Bible is really clear about things and, you know, the way that it's been set up according to the word, according to Colossians one, is like Jesus is in all things. The Father's in all things and and above all things and in him all things hold together. And if that's the truth, then Jesus over everything. And so what does it look like to walk that out? So for me, it just came from my own complicated life. <laughs> I love it. Don't you think that's where every, all of our ministry really comes from is the complications? Yes. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, it was interesting just reading your story. You were born into a pastor's home, raised in the church. But, and you know, my, I'm not a pastor's kid. I was a board member's brat. <laughs> I was one of the board member's kids. Yeah. But yeah, it's very close. But uh, I, I too grew up loving Jesus, but not exactly knowing how to connect to that intimate 
friendship with him. And I love that you just talk about some of the things that stand in the way. And some of those are that what you call the deadly overs. Can mm. you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I talk about it in the beginning of the book, which is, you know, kind of just been my whole, the rub of my life, which is I've loved Jesus my whole life. I really, really have. We, there's been this special thing between us, but I also love me. And, mm. you know, it's like the rub of my life. Right. And so what I've realized is that at some point, I, I have kind of tried to overcompensate for a complicated life. So, you know, it doesn't work, but it just seemed to make sense at the moment. And I think a lot of it has also been things I haven't even really thought about, but go-to behaviors. And that's what really the land of the deadly overs and the deadly overs, what I'm talking about in chapter one are all about. It's these go-to behaviors that we do to try to make our life easier and simpler. Because in that moment, we think, well, I need to over-apologize to this person. We don't think of it as over-apologizing. We think, I just need to make this person like me in this moment and, and make everything better. That's our way of smoothing over a situation. And in our mind, that uncomplicates the moment. But in reality, we become this chronic over apologizers say that's one of the deadly overs and it, it complicates our life because then we become this person that doesn't actually ever really mean our apologies or people get, you know, tired of our constant groveling or whatever. And, you know, it's really just kind of us over that situation, us trying to manage a situation and us overcomplicating our lives. And that's what the deadly overs are about is these behaviors that we do, these habits, these go-to things that actually overcomplicate our lives. And I think that's where a lot of us have, have fallen uh, and, and gotten into over apologizing, over analyzing. So obviously, you know, tossing things over in our brain over and over and over again, you know, rehashing these conversations, over explaining, you know, boy, that wasn't good enough what I said the first time. I need to, let me just make sure you understood my point. And then over indulging, you know, hey, I got to numb out. I got to, you know, spend more. I've got to, you know, get into Netflix more or whatever the case may be. Get on my phone more. Boy, don't we all know about that. Or overworking. I just got to dive into work because I've got to get my value there and all these things. And these are things that we really try to do to make our life simpler. But in reality, it overcomplicates mm. our lives. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I think it can even infiltrate our Christianity because sure. that was that was part of my thing was um, I, I really did love Jesus, but I really did love me. I love how you put that. And, and so I almost felt like I was at war within myself because I wanted to do my own thing, but I wanted to please God. And so it led me to kind of this work-based Christianity, trying to figure out how to please Him and always living in fear. Like I was chasing some invisible carrot to try to gain His favor. How did, how did that all play out in your young adult life? I think there's, there was definitely that type of thing. There was, you know, you, you go through this cycle or I went through the cycle of just, you know, I sure don't want God to be mad at me. I, I need 
to please him. And and when you're when you grow up in a Christian home and you grow up in a pastor's home, boy, you know all the things to do. You know, let me check this box. Let me, you know, make sure I'm doing this right and all of these things. And it feels shallow at the time because you know your heart's not in it, but you you just feel programmed or you you feel like this is the way that you connect with God. And it just doesn't feel right. It, it, it feels empty. And so I think through a series of my life and events, it, it, it was just a series of coming to a place where I, I knew that um, that wasn't enough, that those type of, you know, behaviors to placate God weren't going to work. And, um, you know, coming to the place where I said, okay, do I want to be real before God? Do I want to um, continue to play this role or am I going to let him do things in my life to really let us get somewhere? And I don't know about you, but I just don't enjoy spinning my wheels for years at a time. Um, And I've certainly done that, but I really, really want what the Lord has to offer and um, the abundance of the life. I don't want to just white knuckle it anymore. And yeah. so, you know, Jesus over everything is really a foundational core thing that I think a lot of us as believers think, oh yeah, sure. Jesus over everything. Absolutely. And, but I, what's the next thing? I'm ready to for that. And the reality is, is like, if we don't get this core foundational truth of priority order that uncomplicates our lives, then we're going to be in trouble because a lot of us feel like we need a brand new life. So, you know, we want to throw our marriages out the window or like, you know, go to a new church again or whatever. And I'm not suggesting that it's, I'm not trying to simplify life down to just the, those statements. I understand things go into a lot of relationships and sometimes you do need to leave a church and all of those kinds of things. I'm not being legalistic here. I'm just saying, a lot of times we don't need a brand new life. We just need God to take over ours and have mm-hmm. that priority order that is what will work because according to the Bible, he is over all things. And so when we put him in his rightful place, a thousand problems are solved. It's really true. Oh, that is so good. You know what? I just I I hope that you out there are really allowing some of this to land because I think you're so right, Lisa. We we can't understand why we're never satisfied, why we're always kind of trying to scratch an itch that just we can't quite get. And to be willing, to be willing to be open and vulnerable to the Lord. I think sometimes we we can't know what we don't know, hmm. but we've got to come to the Lord and say, what is this? What is this over whatever it is that I'm doing to compensate for this emptiness I feel inside. What what would you say? Can you look back on your life? And I'm sure there are probably many, but can you see a pivotal moment that really took you to a deeper place with the Lord? Oh, yes, 100%. In fact, um, probably one that stands out, oh, really almost above the rest, was in uh, 2012. Uh, and I was, I'd already been writing books. I'd already been speaking, doing ministry. And I was going to quit. I was very overwhelmed. And to be honest with you, I felt like I didn't have the success that I wanted. And what I was really wanting was the approval and uh, the approval of man, popularity. And I 
I always thought, you know, I'm not really a people pleaser. I really kind of marched my own drumbeat. I, I, I'm good. And like, you know, I, I don't really worry about that. And that was true and false, you know, so, right. um, because we all want people to accept us and like us. We certainly all want to feel like we've made some headway in life. And the reality was, is me wanting to quit had everything to do with, me wanting more people to love and appreciate me and not feeling like I was worthy in some way. And so the Lord really did a work in my heart. And I have to tell you that there were things that I had been running from and things that I've been wrestling with. I'd just written a book and released a book called Whole, which was a lot about my father's story. My father had a big ministry crash and uh, I had told that story publicly, um, hadn't been told it publicly in 20 years. And so there were a lot of things that had been dredged up from that. And I just wanted to run away and hide. I felt vulnerable, all of these things that you do. And, you know, it was kind of like those moments. And I know everyone listening can relate to this when God begins to do a work in you and and he's, he's starting to dredge some things up and you just want to pull back and say, Oh, that one hurts. Let's stop this process. And, I knew in that moment that I was at a pivotal moment, either I was going to let God mess with me or I was going to run and hide like I'd done so many times before. But if I did that, I probably was going to need to stop trying to be used in some way or right anymore because it was just too hard to do it halfway. And I have to tell you in that, in that time, the Lord did a lot of things in my life. I went dark for 30 days. I just released a book, you know, after releasing a book, that's not a very convenient time to go dark. Um, (laughs) I went dark. I let the Lord mess with me. and, And I mean that by saying, meaning we just did a lot of work in my office on my office floor with me in tears and him just revealing things to my heart through scripture that I needed to work on. And, and I just let him, I just let him work in me. And I will tell you that it's not that I've never wanted to quit again. I've not had the same kind of um, reason for wanting to, maybe I've been tired from them and I thought, oh, I'm exhausted or whatever the case may be, but I've never wanted to quit. I've thought I'm going to serve Jesus forever. It just really changed the game for me. So that was certainly a moment in my life. And th- th- after that, I wrote the book, I Want God. And it was the same kind of hunger and passion to say everything. He's everything. He's either everything or he's nothing. And that really changed the trajectory of my life. Wow. I love it. You know, isn't it so funny? We think it's success that we need when sometimes it really is coming to the end of ourselves. And that's been my story. And I I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that God loves me enough not to give me the thing that I want so that He can give me the things that I need. And yes. I, I love that because there's. I think that's why there's so much richness to what you're writing now is because you've let God have his way. I always say, let God get his hands on you. Just let mm. him mess you up good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so upside down. I and I and you kind of I think touch on this in the book that maybe not in these words, but I don't think we understand that we live in an upside down kingdom. When, yes. If we're Christians and if we keep trying to make this world satisfy, it's never ever going to do it. Um yep. You talked about just some of the temporary fixes that we use, and and you share a story about a, a fast that you went on, and I'd love to have you share that because I think there's some girls out there 
part of the over culture that we all get sucked into, that maybe the Lord wants to put his finger on something in our lives as well. Mm. Yeah, this was this was something that happened in my life. Um, oh man, some years back, I uh, it was around the time of really that process that I was telling you about in 2012, and and, and when I wrote "I Want God," uh, the Lord really began to um, stir in me that I was using shopping to numb myself. Um, I, you know, I think I was aware. I, I know I was aware. I think we, we innately know the things that we are using to sort of become our crutch in moments that we are sad or we, you know, need, uh, we need God really, but we, we want to turn to something else that's quicker maybe than, um, going to prayer or praying something again and again. And so I talk about this in the book and I say, I, I would love to say that I was, really spiritual about this. And I just did it because I was just such a spiritual zealot. But the reality is I got embarrassed into my shopping fast. Um, and God can use <laughs> embarrassment. So we'll just say that right now. Um, Amen. But again, yeah, Amen. I had my girlfriend came over and she was, I was trying to find something to wear for a speaking engagement. And she came over and she said, you have so many clothes. And I have to tell you, I it's like, not that that would be just a, 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 a the moment that was a catalyst, but it really was. It was like it it just struck me how many clothes I had for. The, it was like it was for for the first time I was I looked around my closet. And I thought, "Wow, I have so many clothes." And you know, I kind of go in that closet every day. But it was the Lord's. It was like the Lord's voice was speaking to me, and. I didn't drop to my knees right then and say, I'm going on a shopping fast. Yes, Lord. I mean, it took some months later, but that was certainly a moment where God began speaking to me about what I was doing. And in the moments that I needed God to do a work in my heart, I was swiping a debit card. And mm -hmm. I just began to say, okay, if this thing is coming between us, as silly as it may sound, because here's the reality. I wasn't going into debt. I, I'm a bargain shopper. So it was like, maybe I would go to TJ Maxx and get three shirts and they still weren't the price of a shirt at the, you know, at Nordstrom or whatever. But it wasn't about that. It wasn't about if I was going into debt. And, and by the way, people will give you an out too. I had people, would, they would say, well, you know, we all love to shop. Come on, we're girls, you know, or whatever. But I knew innately that this is something that I was turning to, that it was using it as a crutch that had gone too far. And I didn't need all those clothes. And so I, you know, I, the Lord and I worked out something. And it was basically like for a year. And I will tell you, it didn't start out as a year, by the way. And I right. don't say this is this is kind of insider baseball. I don't say this in the book. I didn't start out as a year. I actually was going to do it for, I think, a month because our church was going on doing a fast. And I was going to do it for a month. And I was like, I could do this for a month. I cannot shop for a month. And after a month, the Lord said, you're not done. Hmm. And so we kept going and it ended up being an entire year. So it was quite a process, but I will tell you that it did profoundly change many things uh, about me. And it's still, you know, years later, it has still changed many things about me. Yeah. Oh, you know, I want, I want you guys to listen to this because the actually God at two different times has used a fast to really elementally change me. And the first one was a fiction fast. 
and I loved Christian fiction. I was a binge reader, um, but I was I, I was really struggling with my weight, and I thought that was the big battle, and I just couldn't get any self discipline. And one over the period of a couple of weeks, God began to put His finger on my escapism. That's mm. what it was for me. You know, whether we call it numbing out, which I think is so so true, or buffering. What are you doing on a habitual level to escape? life. Yeah. And as the Lord, um, he, it was so interesting because I didn't think I had a problem <laughs> with yeah. fiction. It was good. It was wholesome, but it was escapism. And as the Lord put his finger there, I think the thing we don't realize is when God shows us something, he also releases the grace to obey. Mm. And it and in the same way, it didn't start as a year. It started as a month, but I knew God was saying, I need you to lay it down. I need you to be willing to feel what you need to feel. And unexpectedly, as God released the self-control to put down the book, he also began to release the self-control to help me control my eating. And it was so interesting. I thought the big link of my chain, of my bondage, was my weight. And God, in His mercy, goes, no, we're going to find a place where you can obey. <laughs> wow. That's so good. Isn't that? And as I obeyed there, freedom came in other places. So I was reminded as you were talking about this principle of 1 Corinthians 6.12, where Paul says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Yeah. Everything is permissible for me. But here's the key. I will not be mastered by anything. Mm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to say too, like when I, you know, w one of the reasons I did this shopping fast was that I really, what I thought was, it, it was almost like, let's see if this is the thing that is between mm. us. Because here's the thing, I, I was kind of at a wit's end of saying, I feel like, you know, my prayers are not really um, where I want them to be. Not in a way of like your prayers have to be this or that, but I just, I just sense the Lord and I didn't have the closeness that I wanted. And I sure did not want a stupid shopping to be what it was mm. that was coming between us. And it almost made me angry. I thought, are clothes getting between us? I mean, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. And it really honestly made me a little bit angry. And I thought, well, there's only one way to know. And the only way we're going to know is if I do this fast, you know? And so I have to say that it just kind of became a little bit of a test to see if that's something that was between us. I wanted to eliminate anything that might come between God and I. And I think that's what's really important is to be able to eliminate anything that might be between us and as silly or as small as it may seem. And you, you know, other people might not think it's a big deal, but that's not what really matters. What you're speaking of in scripture is so huge too, because, and it really is along the same lines. I, I have a chapter in the book that it talks about holiness over freedom. And mm. that is what you're really referring to there in that scripture, because, you know, a lot of us, First of all, we love our freedoms. Look, I'm, I'm an independent woman and I love the idea of freedom. I love being free. It is such a gift to be free. Um, the thing about it is though, is that we don't understand that in our freedoms and in our loving our freedoms and living them to the fullest often, we actually enslave ourselves many times. Now it's not what we would intend to do. We don't even really realize we're doing it. But as we just 
you know, embrace them to the fullest and we don't live with the guardrails of scripture, we actually enslave ourselves. And so my suggestion is that in a Jesus over everything lifestyle, you live with holiness over freedom mentality. And in that, because it is the way that genius God set it up to be, and he can do no wrong, that in the way that's set up then, that you get more freedom than you could possibly ever know or ever want. And it is the most beautiful freedom that you could ever have. And so you're not enslaved by the actual freedoms that you as a human enjoy. And so that's one of the things we talk about in the book. It's tough, but it's really important because it is the way he set it up to be, and it is for us. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know why. I don't know why we would think that we know better how we should live than the one who made us. Right. Like, I mean, like we don't we don't take a hair blower and try to make a chocolate cake with it because that's not what it was made for. And yet we keep thinking that, yeah, yeah, I know the Bible says that, but and I've just been asking the Lord to deliver us from the yabbats, you know, just those those yabbats where it's like, oh yeah, I know he meant it for someone else. But really letting him re almost receiving his commands as a gift rather than rather than um some kind of punishment uh, like david says i run free in the path of his commands hmm. how do we do that though how do we cuz i think we've almost i don't know about you but you know, i i kind of grew up in my church was so full of grace but it had come from a time of where the church was very legalistic yeah and so they'd kind of come back to center i i you know i I was raised in a home with lots of rules. I didn't go to movies. I, you know, I didn't go to parties. I didn't drink. But, and so I was like one of the only youth group that didn't do some of those things. And it felt like it was so restrictive. But mm. now over this lifetime, I'm realizing, thank you, Lord, for those guardrails, because I had so much freedom within those boundaries. Why do you think we resent God's limitations on our lives? Well, you know, I think a lot of it is honestly baggage from, you know, maybe our, our upbringing, our past. I definitely think that plays into it. No doubt about it. I think legalism is tough for a lot of us. Um, I think we, we certainly, that word certainly is just, just, I mean, it, it just hangs, right? And so we just feel the weight of it. And I think we misunderstand um, a lot of a lot of aspects of holiness. I think we feel like it's very heady, like it's very, like it's automatically legalism. And it's not because holiness isn't, it's, it's not about rules. It is about spiritual relinquishment. And it really, mm -hmm. truly is, um, the way that, uh, it's set up to be. The thing about it is, is that anything that God has and asks us to do is for us. I mean, remember, yeah. you, we've got to keep in perspective. Remember, this is the Savior that died for us. It doesn't, you know, just let's just have, let's just boil this down to a very simple um, thought here. And forgive me, I'm very simple. So the very simple thought is this, someone who would love us enough to send his son to die for us is not about trying to, to you know, keep us in this, 
you know, horrible lifestyle. They, we just have that all wrong. He loves us so much that holiness and, 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 and emulating his character and, and being about this, this way that he set it up to be is for us because he knows that on the other side of that is enslavement, is entrapment, is the way that our lives then become wrecked and, and, and desolate. And look, Satan's over there. He's got a filter on the wheel. He's brightening them up. He's making them look, you know, Instagram beautiful. But the reality is that over there is not, we don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. We want the life that God has for us. And so the Jesus over everything lifestyle, it's not, it, it feels like because of what we, you know, so many things that we maybe have felt from our past that's, that has been legalistic, those, a lot of that, that's all man, man stuff. But the way that the Lord set it up to be will be a way of release and beauty and freedom. There's so many verses in scripture about you will go free. I think of the verse in Malachi, you will go free leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. Mm. I mean, if you've ever seen a calf let out to pasture, it is a joyful dance. I think that a lot of time as human, a lot of times as humans, we have this weird overcompensation. And we, because if we've come from a background of very strict legalism, we automatically swing the other way and want to go to this just hyper freedom doing whatever we want. And we just don't realize until maybe it's too late and we get our life in a ditch that that actually is what complicates our life and entraps us. And so that's what we're trying to talk about in the book is, no, do it, do it God's way, because that's what will set you free. Exactly, exactly. Well, and as you keep, as you've been saying that word holiness, I just keep hearing the word wholeness. Mm. It's wholeness. It's it's everything we were made for. And you know, as I was thinking about this uh, this whole debate of you know legalism versus holiness, um, you know, legalism uh, was whitewashed tombs. It was people going through the motions, but their heart were, was far away from God. And you make this statement. You say, it's not about our cans or what's okay to do. It's about our want tos. Mm. And I, I think that's so true. When we just give God rule over our lives, where we say, you know what, Lord, you get to call the shots. You know what's best for me. He gives us the want to. He, the Bible tells us he, he works within us to will and to act according to his good purpose. And I just love that. One of the things that really helped me in understanding, okay, what is legalism and what is grace? Because that's kind of the pendulum that we use. You know, I think sometimes we've thought, well, you're either clear over here on legalism or you're clear over here on grace. But I've come to believe that grace is the middle ground. The opposite of legalism is licentiousness. It's this license to sin. And like you say, it's destruction. You are so brave in some ways, can I just say, but I'm so <laughs> glad that you that you brought up the issue of alcohol. And mm. I know even when I said that, there's going to be some girls who go, oh my word, she's just such a <laughs> goody tissues. But I have just seen enough people, even Christians' lives, ravaged by alcohol that um, I, can you talk about your story and what God's been teaching you in that area? Yeah, you know, I didn't want to talk about alcohol. <laughs> 
I will just say that up front. I really, really spoke with the Lord about that. We had a lot of conversations about that, but it was so crystal clear to me. I mean, he made it as clear as clear could be that I was to talk about it. And so I, you know, I, I could not disobey, but I didn't want to. And I, we had lots of conversations about it internally with the publisher. We we talked about it right and left. I have an editor who social drinks and it was, you know, so there was there were a lot of eyes on that. Um, and I think that was good because I really feel like this is a conversation that needed to be looked at from all angles. Um, yeah, I I talk about alcohol because for a couple of reasons. First, the Lord I already told you that the Lord told me to do that. The second was I get lots of messages asking me to talk about alcohol. And um, I know that it is something that is um, difficult to take on, but it is very, very effective in the body of Christ. It's something that's, that is, it's affecting all of us in some one way or another. And it's not just, well, you know, I, I have an alcoholic parent or this affected me in this way. And as you know, from reading the book, I'm not coming in saying you should drink, you shouldn't drink. That's not what it's about whatsoever. For me, it was the the thing in my life that never brought me anything good. Mm. And it is some it is something in my life that also kept me in a um compromising lifestyle because it was a part of my life uh, in my young adulthood that brought with it compromises, lots of them. And so for me, as I read scripture and I look at anything that brings you back into a, a sinful mindset is not something that that needs to be a part of your life. I'm paraphrasing there is, is really something that you have to take a hard look at. And so for me, it just became really a choice to not drink alcohol. Now, not to say I've never had a drink since my uh, sophomore year of college when I really sort of made that decision. I certainly have. Um, But it has been very, very few and far between because it is it's just not something that ever brought me anything good. And I do believe and I don't think anybody could argue with this point that regardless of where you come down personally on whether that's going to be a part of your life or not. And again, I, I'm not telling you whether it should be or shouldn't be. I actually don't believe that um, alcohol in and of itself is wrong, but whether you come down, whichever way you come down, I will say this. I think it is clear that it is something that the overindulgence of is absolutely wrecking the body of Christ. And I don't know how that could be argued. We've seen it over and over again in uh, relationships, in uh, choices that were made when the, when people were under the influence. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's very, it's a prevalent issue among other issues and shouldn't be singled out certainly as nearly the only one, but, um, it, it's a choice that I have made and everyone has to make their own holiness over freedom choices in their life. So I knew it wouldn't be popular, but, um, you know, sometimes we have to talk about things that aren't popular. And I also knew that. It can't be something that we don't put on the table just because it's something we don't want to talk about. Like everything should be on the table. So that's the way that I approached it. 
I appreciate that so much because, again, if we come back to this whole idea of what am I using to escape life? Right. What am I using to numb out? And, you know, that that could be like in Montana now, um, marijuana is legal. And so, you know, and I you look through Instagram or even Facebook and, you know, having wine at your little gatherings, even Bible study. And again, I don't mean to be legalistic or anything, but I do think we need to understand that our freedoms and where someone else's weakness begins. Mm-hmm. And, and if you know, I have a friend who actually finally admitted at 50 years of age that she was an alcoholic and uh, it had been wine and it mm-hmm. was her, her glass of wine each evening and and then grew and grew and grew. And she said, jo- Joanne, I really would love to go to my church's gatherings, but when they're at someone's house, they always serve wine. And I can't, I can't do it. And so I wonder what message we're sending when we say, here, this is really popular. This is so shishi. And let's be like the world when we're actually possibly causing a sister or a brother to stumble. So thank you for bringing it to the table. Uh, again, gluttony, you know, any kind of excess, Yep. any kind of excess. God has so much more for us. And I think we need to understand as you bring forth so beautifully in the book, Jesus over everything equals freedom. <laughs> mm. Well, and I say in the book, I say in the book, as you know, I'm, I'm having a bigger struggle giving up things like, my phone and TV, you yes, know, so yes. it's like you know we 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 all have our things, and we yes. all we all struggle with things that, um, you know, before we know it, really sort of sweep us up. So I I, I just want to encourage everybody to not get hung up on what someone else has chosen as their um, thing that they feel like the Lord is leading them to 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 um, have a holiness over freedom issue. But I, I think we need to all really take a hard look inside and be willing to look at anything. Exactly. In fact, whatever you're feeling a pushback, even as we're talking, you guys. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Hey, that, that's so true. Someone actually said that on the, on social media the other day. I don't know who it was, but it was brilliant. They're like, whatever you are resisting the hardest is the thing that you oh, need the yeah. most, the most to let go of. And so I thought, boy, is that the truth? Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, we are such, we're so good at rationalizing and excusing, and I have no problem with that. But I love this whole idea of even just saying, Lord, what is the thing that you see that Mm -hmm. is that besetting, besetting? It trips me up. Yeah. And in that chapter, I do give, well, one, I give a couple of questions to ask um, Jesus. Uh, about whatever it is for you. And then also I give five ways to know what needs to go, because I think it's very important for us to kind of be able to take our own inventory. And that's what I love about books, right? Because we can sit there with the Lord and we can Ask, look at that litmus test and say, okay, here are the five things. Let me see. And we're in the privacy of our own home or wherever we are and being able to look at that. And I think that's beautiful. And so I just really encourage everybody to, um, to, to, to be brave with it, you know, and ask the Lord, whatever it is. And, and, and he's so good and not judgmental. I just love him for that, you know? And so it's just a beautiful place to be with the Lord. It really, really is. I, you know, I, I think I was always afraid to just get open and honest with God because I thought 
um, he would put his finger on something that I would be powerless to do. But again, I want to remind you guys, when God reveals, it's only so he can heal. And so when he puts his finger there, he's going to release the grace to do it. Hey, I want to mention to you guys that Lisa has some wonderful resources to go along with her new book, Jesus Over Everything. You can go to her website and take a free quiz on the deadly overs. Are you over-apologizing, over-analyzing, overdoing, over-explaining, over-indulging, overworking? And then she has a free get over it. I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna download that right away. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like saying it straight, right? Get over it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And then you've got some sample chapters, and we'll have everything in the show notes. But Lisa, what's really on your heart right now, um, or, or something new that you sense God doing in you? Oh, man. Well, I just am grateful he still does stuff in me. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just grateful he's just sticking around. Um, Well, you know, he's, my father died almost three years ago in April. It feels like yesterday in so many ways. He was kind of my person. Um, And I think there's always a, a, a fresh thing that I feel like he's doing. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a visionary. So I'm always down the road. My bigger obstacle is to stay, is to stay present. Um, but one of the things that he's doing is he is fathering me in a new way in my father's absence. And mm-hmm. I found a real sweetness there. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I have three kids and, and, um, two of them are now in college. One is in high school still. My mom got remarried after my dad died and, and moved away. And so in a new way, I feel the weight of, um, being the one in charge. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I don't think you ever get over kind of wanting to still be parented. And so I, I just, I think the thing that he's, He's, he's teaching me a lot. He's parenting me really well. And, um, I don't know. I feel, I feel more grown than ever and I feel more like a kid than ever, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's a very weird place to be. And if that made any sense at all to anyone listening, um, I think the thing I would say is this is like wherever you are in your life, whatever age you are listening, that he's a real good parent. And, um, I would love for, you to feel the parenting of the Lord today. Mm, oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. Uh, girls, I just want you guys to be sure and go pick up this book, Jesus Over Everything, Uncomplicating the Daily Struggle to Put Jesus First. I've just found that He is more than willing to help me when I reach out to Him. Lisa, as we close, would you just pray over the people listening out there? I'd love to. Father, I thank you so much that you set this whole thing up just to be over everything and in all things and through you, all things hold together. I thank you for holding us together. I thank you that we have hope because of you today, no matter what our circumstances, no matter where we've come from, no matter what damage we have to overcome. Father, you are the great hope of the world. And in you, according to Romans 5, 5, there is a hope that will not disappoint. So I thank you that you are worthy to be over everything you already are. And so may we put you in your rightful spot that you might uncomplicate our lives. And we give this day to you, this burden to you, this everything to you right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
So what deadly overs did you identify in your life? I took Lisa's quiz a few minutes ago and found out that I'm an overanalyzer, which I'm currently analyzing to see if it's true. (laughs) Well, you can discover your own deadly over by clicking on the quiz link over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 043. And be sure to check out Lisa's book and other resources as well. And if you've been enjoying this podcast, would you mind taking a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen? And I hope you'll subscribe because these simple actions can help us get the Living Room Podcast out in front of more listeners, as well as the important messages that these authors are sharing in the ears of those who need them. Though the world may seem downright crazy right now, God wants to center our hearts and minds in Him. He wants to make us whole and holy. And more importantly, He wants to make us wholly His. So that when people see our lives, it's Jesus they see. His goodness, His love, His wisdom, His peace spilling out of our lives into the lives of others as we live and love and lead like Jesus. God bless you, my friend.